Good day, it's May 11th, and this is the One-Year Bible Tour Guide. Today is the 131st day of our journey reading through the Bible. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and it's my delight to point out to you many sites in our travels through the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Book of Psalms and Proverbs, things that you want to be sure not to miss. The Holy Spirit is the resident teacher leading the Christian into the truth of the Scripture, particularly how it relates to the promise and performance of our salvation to the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here we are, I'm happy and alive, praising a holy God, and I hope you are too. It's through the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus that we come alive and we stay alive. And it's through our relationship with the living word that we can have a living relationship with the written word. So Lord, we ask that you speak to us today and that you give us the guidance that we need, the encouragement, the counsel, and Lord, that you draw us closer to yourself. We are in the book of 1 Samuel in the Old Testament, and we have transitioned from the period of the judges, and we are now in the period of the kings, with the first king being the result of Israel's desire to be like the surrounding nations. Yes, they rejected God as their king and demanded that they keep up with their pagan neighbors. Saul of the tribe of Benjamin is the winner of the People's Choice Award, and he is the king of Israel. The man may have had the looks of a leader, but not the heart. He appeared to be tall, dark, and handsome in men's eyes, but he certainly didn't demonstrate the characteristics of spiritual leadership. He hardly was a man after God's heart. Saul's rise to kingship is in three stages. First, he's anointed by Samuel the prophet, chapter 9 through chapter 10, verse 16. Then he's chosen by Lot, and we'll be reading about that today, chapters 10, verses 17 to 27. And thirdly, he is confirmed by public acclamation after leading his people to victory, as we shall read today in chapter 11, verse 1 through 15. Samuel is the last legitimate judge, and he is the first of the prophets. He is told by God to anoint Israel's choice of a king, assured that God's purposes would not be thwarted, We will see that as the spiritual sensitivity of kings diminish, the role of the prophet becomes ever more important as he will represent the voice of God, the eternal king, and speak to these temporal kings. So let's pick up where we left off yesterday. We're starting with 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1, and I am reading this year from the English Standard Version, the ESV. Saul anointed king. 1 Samuel chapter 10. Verse 1. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people Israel? And you shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you will save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. And this shall be the sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. When you depart from me today, you will meet two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah, And they will say to you, The donkeys that you went to seek are found. And now your father has ceased to care about the donkeys and is anxious about you, saying, What shall I do about my son? Then you shall go on from there farther and come to the oak of Tabor. Three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you there, one carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall accept from their hand. After that you shall come to Gibeath Elohim, 
where there is a garrison of the Philistines. And there, as soon as you come to the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place with harp, tambourine, flute, and lyre before them, prophesying. Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. Now when these signs meet you, do what your hand finds to do, for God is with you. Then go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I am coming down to you to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait until I come to you and show you what you shall do. When he turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart, and all these signs came to pass that day. When they came to Gibeah, behold, a group of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God rushed upon him, and he prophesied among them. And when all who knew him previously saw how he prophesied with the prophets, the people said to one another, What has come over the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And a man of the place answered, And who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, Is Saul also among the prophets? When he had finished prophesying, he came to the high place. Saul's uncle said to him, and to his servant, Where did you go? And he said, To seek the donkeys. And when we saw that they were not to be found, we went to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, Please tell me what Samuel said to you. And Saul said to his uncle, He told us plainly that the donkeys had been found, but about the matter of the kingdom of which Samuel had spoken, he did not tell him anything. Now Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah. And he said to the people of Israel, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But today you have rejected your God, who saves you from all your calamities and your distresses, and you have said to him, Set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. Then Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. He brought the tribe of Benjamin near by its clans, and the clan of the Matrites was taken by Lot, and Saul the son of Kish was taken by Lot. But when they sought him, he could not be found. So they inquired again of the Lord, Is there a man still to come? And the Lord said, Behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage. Then they ran and took him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted, Long live the king! Then Samuel told the people the rights and duties of the kingship, and he wrote them in a book and laid it up before the Lord. Then Samuel sent all the people away, each one to his home. Saul also went to his home at Gibeah, and with him went men of valor whose hearts God had touched. But some worthless fellows said, how can this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no present. But he held his peace. Chapter 11 Then Nahash the Ammonite went up and besieged Jabesh-Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, Make a treaty with us, and we will serve you. But Nahash the Ammonite said to them, On this condition I will make a treaty with you, that I gouge out all your right eyes, and thus bring disgrace on all Israel. The elders of Jabesh said to him, Give us seven days' respite, that we may send messengers through all the territory of Israel. Then if there is no one to save us, we will give ourselves up to you. When the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul, they reported the matter in the ears of the people, and all the people wept aloud. 
Now behold, Saul was coming from the field behind the oxen. And Saul said, What is wrong with the people that they are weeping? So they told him the news of the men of Jabesh. And the Spirit of God rushed upon Saul when he heard these words, and his anger was greatly kindled. He took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces and sent them throughout all the territory of Israel by the hand of the messenger, saying, Whoever does not come out after Saul and Samuel, so shall it be done to his oxen. Then the dread of the Lord fell upon the people, and they came out as one man. When he mustered them at Bezek, the people of Israel were three hundred thousand, and the men of Judah thirty thousand. And they said to the messengers who had come, Thus shall you say to the men of Jabesh-Gilead, Tomorrow, by the time the sun is hot, you shall have salvation. When the messengers came and told the men of Jabesh, they were glad. Therefore the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will give ourselves up to you, and you may do to us whatever seems good to you. And the next day Saul put the people in three companies, and they came into the midst of the camp in the morning watch and struck down the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And those who survived were scattered, so that no two of them were left together. Then the people said to Samuel, Who is it that said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put them to death. But Saul said, Not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has worked salvation in Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal, and there renew the kingdom. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they sacrificed peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. And this is the end of our reading of today's portion from the Old Testament in 1 Samuel. Now let's take a step back and get some perspective on this story. God's intention was that he be in a covenant relationship with his people. He would be their God, and they would be his people. He would be their king and rule in righteousness, and they would be his subjects and glorify his name in all the earth. The Lord is faithful to his part of the agreement, but the people of Israel turned from their covenant commitment to the Lord and coveted having a king like that of the other nations. All covetousness is idolatry. Something else is taking the place of God, and so the Lord gives the people what they have asked for. He appoints Saul as king. God's permissive will of decree allowed them to have a king who would reflect their values. Samuel anoints Saul's head with oil. Then he kisses him and announces that he has been appointed to be the ruler over Israel. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1. Samuel demonstrates strong leadership in calling the tribes of Israel together and letting them know that they have rejected their God and preferred a king like their surrounding nations instead. In his presence, a lot is cast, and Saul is confirmed as the chosen king. But when they look for Saul, they discover that he has disappeared. Rather than demonstrating willful surrender to God, he hides among the baggage at the time of his coronation. Although God's will has been made known to him, he hopes to avoid his appointed task, even knowing that God's Spirit would enable him to hear, speak, and lead. Saul is a type of the natural man. David will eventually follow as king, and he becomes a type of a spiritual man. First comes that which is natural, and then comes that which is spiritual. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 46. David, although flawed, demonstrates a man with a heart after God in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14, and in Acts chapter 13, verse 22. He demonstrates attitudes that would later be perfected in Jesus Christ, a heart of submission and a heart that took delight in God's word and doing God's will. 
David had a love for prayer. In Psalm 116, verses 1 and 2, and in verses 12 to 13, a love for worship and praise, and he longed for the unity of believers in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1, and Psalm 133. David also hated every false way. Psalm 119, verse 104, Psalm 101, verses 3 and 4, verses 6 and 7. Despite his flaws, Saul becomes an instrument in the Lord's hand, even as the jawbone of a donkey was an instrument in Samson's hand. The Spirit comes upon Saul in power, but is he a faithful instrument? Saul prophesies according to Samuel's prediction. He meets his uncle in the place of worship, but does not tell him the word of the Lord concerning the kingdom. He is not obedient to his calling. Samuel assures Saul and the people, saying, Do you see the man the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. Then we hear the Israelites saying what the nations all say about their appointed monarchs. Long live the king. Samuel then wrote down on a scroll the rights and duties of a king. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 25. And then he placed it before the Lord. God's grace is evident in that God touched the hearts of valiant men who would go with Saul as a support team. However, some complained that he was not competent to save the nation. In verse 27. Saul proves to be a hero in the people's eyes as he rallies the nation to support the people of Reuben and Gad who lived in Jabesh Gilead, east of the Jordan. They were being threatened with torture by Nahash, king of the Ammonites. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon Saul and he cuts two oxen into pieces and sends messengers to all the tribes with his threat, what has happened to the oxen is what will happen to anyone who refuses to follow Saul and Samuel into battle. Chapter 11, verse 7. The Lord gives Saul victory over the Ammonites. The people of Jabesh-Gilead are saved. When people ask that those scoundrels who failed to support King Saul be killed, Saul replies, No one will be executed today, for it's the Lord who has rescued Israel. Chapter 11, verse 12. After this victory, the people go to Gilgal, where Saul is made king in an official ceremony, and all the Israelites were filled with joy. Chapter 11, verse 15. Now let's go to our reading from the New Testament. The Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 43 through 71. Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. 
Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. And this is the end of our reading from the New Testament, the Gospel of John. In our reading today, Jesus makes radical statements about his indispensability for the salvation of the human race. Even his disciples find these words challenging their natural sensibilities. Jesus claims to be the only one who has ever seen the Father and that he has been sent by him. In chapter 6, verse 46, he uses the analogy of our dependence upon him. He calls people to be feeding on him and drinking his blood if they want eternal life. This means believing on him as the bread of heaven, that which represents God's provision for salvation. They must take this to heart. The blood speaks of the evidence of the necessary atoning sacrifice. We cannot know Christ apart from knowing and participating in the truth of the cross, the purpose and value of his poured-out life for the atonement of our sins. Jesus links the activity of eating his flesh and drinking his blood with believing and abiding. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he will also live because of me. John chapter 6, verse 56 and 57. As Jesus lived in a disposition of faith towards the Father, so we are to live in a disposition of faith towards him. This disposition is to be characterized by a love for, dependence upon, and obedience to him. The verbs eat and drink are found here in different tenses. Verse 53 describes a once and for all act of believing, reflecting saving faith at conversion. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. John chapter 6, verse 53. Verses 54 and 55 use the present active tense, eat and keep on eating, drink and keep on drinking. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. This speaks of an ongoing love for, dependence upon, and obedience to the Lord, that he is the operation of God's gracious activity within the born-again believer. It reflects ongoing cooperation with the work of the indwelling life of the Holy Spirit. Jesus acknowledges that not all will believe him, in John chapter 6, verses 64 and 65, yet believing upon him is indispensable for our salvation. This marks a turning point in Jesus' popularity. As a result of this, 
Many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. John chapter 6, verse 66. When Jesus challenges his disciples with the question, Are you also going to leave? Peter responds with inspired logic. Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Here is a verse that we should memorize and continually reflect upon. Jesus said, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and our life. John chapter 6, verse 63. Now let's go to the Bible's songbook, Psalm 107, verses 1 through 43. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Psalm 107. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert places, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way, till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness, and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God, and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death, and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them, and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven, they went down to the depths, their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men, and were at their wits' end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry dwell, and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. 
when they are diminished and brought low, through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes, but he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. And this is the end of our reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 107. This psalm calls us to be awake to the many manifestations of God's mercy and steadfast love. Consider it carefully and give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, His love endures forever. We should speak up and tell others of the great things that He has done in our lives. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the adversary. In Psalm 107, verse 2, Think of how He has met your needs when you were lost, separated from Him, and starving for the bread of life. When you were thirsty, He said, Come to Me and drink. In John chapter 7, verse 37, And He satisfies. In Psalm 107, verse 9, Twice the psalmist describes our original condition when we were dead in our trespasses and sins as being in darkness and deepest gloom. Verse 10 and verse 14. He snapped our chains and broke down the prison gates to set us free. He has rescued us and promises to make us whole. He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. When we were tempest-tossed, He brings us into the safety of His harbor of love. In verse 30. Then they were glad when they were quiet, so he guided them to their desired haven. He's a God who transforms people and lands them in the choicest destination. He blesses and he disciplines. And so we are commanded to thank the Lord for his steadfast love and his wondrous works to the children of men. Now let's go to the treasure chest of wisdom, the book of Proverbs. And we have three verses today, Proverbs 15, verses 1 to 3. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Learn how to answer provocation in the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't just count to ten when provoked to anger. Count on the Lord to give you a gentle answer rather than a harsh word. Beware of self-sabotaging speech. Verse 3 of Proverbs 15 reminds us to be aware that we are living every moment in the face of God. The fear of God, that is the respect for who God is and what is pleasing to Him, is the beginning of wisdom. The Lord sees and the Lord knows. He is all-knowing and everywhere present. And there is no creature hidden from His sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. Now let's pray. Father, we have fed and continue to feed on your gift of salvation. You have shown us the value of the laid-down life of your Son, the bread from heaven. You have shown us the purpose for which he came, to shed his blood for the remission of our sins. With humble remembrance, we continue to be dependent upon him, looking to him to finish the work he has begun in us. We thank you for the Holy Spirit and the power of your love shed abroad in our hearts. Give us the grace to be instant in our obedience and to walk in the strength that you provide to live a life that glorifies you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's continue to feed on the Lord as we go through this day. And we are so grateful for the Word of God that strengthens us and for the sufficiency of Christ, all that He has done, all that He is, and all that we have in Him. 
may we consider carefully his steadfast love and his wondrous works to the children of men. We look forward to being with you tomorrow. We encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. And also you can go to our website, newlife.org, and you can subscribe to a daily written copy of the uh, Bible study that goes along with our reading. We also want to encourage young people between the ages of 8 and 18 who are interested in the New Life Fine Arts Summer Musical Theater Camp to register online because there's a limited number of spaces. You can go to our website, newlifefinearts.org. And again, we always love hearing from those who are part of our listening Bible reading community. You can contact us at podcast at newlife.org. Remember to go out into this day saying, Lord, this is your day. Show me who you want me to make your love credible to. Give me opportunities to speak of you. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Go forward in the fullness of his spirit and seize the day.